Welcome to On Course, the teaching ministry of Pastor Hart Ramsey, where we offer simple biblical insight into some of life's most pressing issues. What if I told you that a lot of the pain and difficulty and adversity you're experiencing is simply God aligning your now so you can be prepared for your tomorrow? Prepare for the next few minutes to be encouraged, enlightened, and inspired. Let's join Pastor Ramsey and get On Course. chapter 9, verse 51. I want to talk to you today about transitioning, when it's time to go up. What happens when it's time to go up? Amen? How many of you know that in your life you can't stay on the same level? Sometimes you reach a time when it's time to go up. Tell somebody it's time to go up. Now, now this sounds like something you would preach, but, but no, no. If you're visiting, there's no preaching. There's instruction coming today. Amen. We, we could get a B3 and make this work, but we, that's not who we are. I want to I share this with you because what happens to us is that we misunderstand transition. The Lord never transitions his people over mountains. He transitions us through valleys. Why? It's simple. It's easier. If you were to follow a mountain's terrain, how it will go up and down. If you were wanted to follow the mountains to your new destination... It takes more work. So what the Lord does, he brings us off the mountaintop into the valley that runs parallel to the mountains. And we walk by and see high places to our left and to our right. Other people up there celebrating, but we're going through the valley. Anybody going through the valley? The reason that you are in the valley is that it's easier and better for transition. I want to talk to you about this. I believe the word of the Lord is for us to share this. Every, my last four preaching assignments, last week I was with the Dream Center in Atlanta with Bishop William Murphy III, and, and I was there with his church, and as I was preparing to minister to them, I kept hearing the word transition. It seems like everywhere that God sends me to minister, the word for the house is transition. God is transitioning his people. You are in a transition. That's why your job is doing what it's doing. That's why your money is funny. That's why your children are acting different. That's why you're struggling with some type of discouragement or maybe depression. You're transitioning. And one of the difficult things about transition, and I, this word transition, we use it loosely, but it means, it literally means if you search it in the Bible, you have to look, the, look up the words passing over or crossing over. You're moving from one place to the next. Transition is different from position. In position, you get to hide behind titles and, and, and or, 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 or job descriptions and, and friends and relationships, and even sometimes your parents or someone that's covering you, but in transition, or, or it's different. Position allows you to hide. Transition fully exposes you to what's there. And so if I could help you today, that's my goal, is to help you within 30 to 40 minutes. I want to help you understand where you are. For those of us who are getting older, I want to can I let, hear my heart. No one prepares us to age. No one prepares us and tells us this is what's going to be. We just walk into it. And the reason they didn't prepare us is because they don't want to talk about it. It's a different thing that happens to you. You have to be comfortable in letting go. You have to be comfortable. You have to, listen, you have to be comfortable to understand that, that you are valuable even in this season. The Lord says, I call the young because they're strong. I call the old because they know the way. You said, Pastor, I ain't old. No, no, I'm not old. That thing about being old is something you got to figure out. I've never met the person, I've never walked up to a person and they guessed my age. It's not about what they think, it's about how you feel. The devil's a lie. 
I used to be able to take them kids. I'll never forget when I, I'm going somewhere with this. Follow me. We were in the old building and I was talking smack from the pulpit to all the ball players in the congregation. We were preparing for the church picnic and I was, I was describing for them as in days past how I was going to cross them up, take them to the hole. There's nothing you could do about it. I'm going to hit the shot. Just watch. I was doing it. I always did it. I did it every year and I would do it on the court and talk junk about it the next year. This particular year, I, was tur- I turned 42, and I figured I'd just do the same thing because I was getting older, but I was getting better. I was beating my boys at basketball, man. They were like, Dad, you still got it, man. But I went out to the court that day. The shot was on, but it only worked for 10 minutes. <laughs> because after 10 minutes, it, I just said, oh, give me a second. Can't catch my breath. I'm good. I'm good, though. I tell the brother I'm good, but I could not catch my breath. And I'm wondering, what is going on? And finally, my oldest son like, Dad, you're 42. I'm like, so? He says, you're old. I'm saying, I'm not old. I, re- I, don't, I don't receive that. But I was transitioning. Everybody said transitioning. In transition, some things that used to work won't work anymore. Why? Because what was in the past can't be in the future. I want to show you this. In Luke chapter 9, verse 51, the Bible says that as the time drew near for him to ascend to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. The word resolutely, I'm, I'm, I know you're standing, we're going to sit in a minute. The word resolutely is the word sterizo in the Greek. It means, it means to be determined. It means to, to block everything out. It's our word focus. It, means to, it literally means to make your mind stand up. The Bible says he resolutely set out for Jerusalem. We're going to talk about this text. It's a powerful text. Verse 52 says this. He sent messengers ahead to a Samaritan village to prepare for his arrival. Interesting, the Bible says in verse 51, or verse 51 is that he's going to Jerusalem, but he sends people to Samaria. Why? Because, because he's going to Jerusalem, but he has to go through Samaria. See, here's the problem with you. You think because God called you to Jerusalem that you don't have to go through Samaria. You think, that because, you think that because God says you're, gonna, you, you're going to this place or he shows you the end from the beginning, you think you're going to leave the beginning and end up at the end. There's a whole lot of real estate between the beginning and the end. And in verse 53 it says, But the people of the village did not welcome Jesus because he was on his way to Jerusalem. Verse 54, When James and John saw this, they said to Jesus, Lord, should we call down fire from heaven to burn them up? And then verse 55 in the King James, if you will. I want the King James because it adds more to it. it. It reveals some things. But he turned and rebuked them and said, Ye know not what manner of spirit you are of. May the Lord add a blessing to the reading of his word. Let's be seated. I, I, hope, it, I hope it jumped out at you that in this text, there is an adversarial um, mentality that comes up. When, when, the, when the people of Samaria realize that Jesus is not coming to them, but he's coming through them, they, the Bible says they did not welcome him. They didn't want him coming through them. Their thing, man, either you're coming to us or you, go, or you pass by us, but don't come through because I don't want you here playing games. That's how we live our lives. Many of us turn transition into an adversarial process. There are people who were in your life. There were things that blessed your life. You, you, you worked at some places. You did some things with your, uh, in your experiences. But then when, when it was time for you to transition, you turned friends into enemies. You had nothing good to say about the places that blessed you. Uh, you, you t- every time it's time to leave, watch this now, you treat, you treat direction like rejection. And the problem with that is that, and we see here that, that in um, verse 54, the Bible says that the disciples, when they saw that the Samaritans did not want to welcome him, 
they, they bought into this adversarial mindset. And here's what was going on. The Samaritans knew, the Bible says they knew he was not coming to them, he was coming through them. What they did not understand is that in every transition you go through to get to. There are people, I'm, I'm, I'm going to tell you this right now, I can't tell you the amount of people over the past 21 years that have passed through this church. The fact that, the fact that people come through the church, that means, that means nothing. It means, it means that that's what God does. My job is to tend, to mend, and then to send. To tend, to mend, to send. Sometimes the sending is not out. Sometimes the sending is just to an assignment in the house. But more times than not, you're going to see us, there's a sending out. If there's no sending, there is stagnation. The Dead Sea is the lowest part or the lowest geographical place on earth. Nothing, nothing flows out of it. Nothing lives in it. The Jordan River and different tributaries are empty out into the Dead Sea, and the concentration of salt is so high that it kills everything that's in it. That's all it does. If it comes to the Dead Sea, it kills it. It gives nothing out. Everything just flows into it. In order, for you to, in order for you to be and to accomplish the things that God has set up for your life, you've got to understand how transition works so that you won't keep burning bridges when it's time to move on. There are people who have come into your life, and they were, I'm so ahead of myself, but, but they came into your life for a purpose. They came into your life for discovery. Not to discover you, but to discover themselves. God has connected you with people because, not because, watch this now, not because you're a good person to know. He connected them with you because you know him. And the people that he brought into your life, they don't know him. And so they come into your life, and his thing is, they need to experience up close a person that has a relationship with him. Then then after a while, they lose interest in you. You have to be good with them losing interest in you. Everybody ain't clapping. Everybody, some people look at me like... No, no, but you, listen, no, you've you got to be okay with it. You say, Pastor, I just thought he was into me. Wait, 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 here's my question. Here's my question. If, if, if the choice is between you and God, would you want him to choose God? Some of you still looking at me like. <laughs> so I, I want to talk you through some of this stuff that I don't have a lot of time, but I want to talk you through this. As I said, because we don't understand transition fully, what we tend to do is turn it into this adversarial process. And so the time had come for Jesus to, come up to, or to go up to Jerusalem where he would offer himself as a sacrifice for our sin. The Bible says in Philippians 2 that he came to earth, he took on a body like our body, he became as a servant, but he was actually God. He thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but he, he relinquished his position. He, he came down to earth, he became, listen to this terminology, our near kinsman redeemer. What that means is, is that he took a body like our body and he lived as one of us because there's a law in the Old Testament that said that, oh, that if you were ever to lose your freedom or to lose your stuff or, or to be incarcerated or whatever, or because you couldn't pay a debt or, or because um, you didn't have what it took to get something done, your near kinsman redeemer, and our terminology, our, our, our modern terminology would say a close relative. A close relative had to come prove their connection to you and then buy you out of your captivity or buy your property back or whatever it is you had lost. And so Jesus came as a close relative of one of ours. He took on a body and his job was to buy us back. That's that's why he died, was to buy us back. How many of you following this real quickly? If you follow me, we'll get there quickly because I want to show you what's going on with this. So he, the time has come, the Bible says, go back to verse 51, the time came... Um, for him 
to ascend to heaven. There was a time. And you see, now you have to understand something. We want things to happen quickly, but God has a time for everything. God, God has set things up according to a certain prophetic clock. Things are working in a certain order. And so the time comes. He had three and a half years to disciple these men, to prepare them for his departure, to saturate the world with preaching of repentance and of the kingdom of God. And that after the three and a half years, he'll be taken. So it comes in his heart, in his spirit. It's, the time is drawing near for you to ascend. When he, when he got that in his heart, the Bible says he resolutely set out for Jerusalem. Why did, why did he resolutely set out? Here's the thing about transition. When you know God wants you to change, maybe he wants you to move from a city. Maybe he wants to, you to connect with a church. Maybe he wants you to, to leave a job or whatever. You, it, you have to be resolute about it. In other words, you've got to make up your mind to do it. Here's the thing with some people. Some people only transition when things are bad. And that is the worst time to transition. Matter of fact, I'm going to show you in Scripture that God very rarely invites you to transition when things are bad. He never teaches us to run. He never teaches us to bail on a situation. He teaches us to stay, get it right, and then when it's right, when things are working the best, then you leave. Watch this now. This is a critical thing. So what, what, this is an important point of this is that in Luke chapter 9, they start talking about his transition. But, but you, when you read Luke all the way up, his transition doesn't happen till Luke 19. So Luke takes 10 plus chapters to, to, um, to unveil the transition of the Lord. We talk about transition like it happens overnight, like it happens instantly. We say, well, I'm turning a new page. I'm, I'm starting a new chapter. I'm stepping out of this season into another. It doesn't work like that. Matter of fact, some of you right now have this, has this um, I call it a holy um, of disgruntlement in your soul. Something is, is not right on the inside. It's, it feels like discouragement, like depression, like something is, is not settled in you. And the, that, what that is is the beginning of the need for transition. Now, here's the problem. Many of us, when we think about transition, we think about going somewhere. And I'm going to tell you what, it, what normally happens. Transition starts with not just going somewhere, but becoming someone else. The first transition is not moving your physical locale. The, the, the first transition is becoming. You, I got to become somebody else. Could it be that the reason you're disgruntled or you feel a little uh, uh, antsy is because you've done this too long? This is not what you were born for? That, you, that, you, that you've become something to someone else? And you can't do that anymore. You did it initially in ignorance, but now here you are. You're getting too old for this. I can't do this anymore, but you don't know how to say it. Anybody saying nothing? So I figure you figure if you don't say nothing, I think you disappear. I can see you. All right, so now listen. Transition is never a simple or instant experience. There's always this mental, emotional and spiritual process attached or leading up to it. Now, here's the thing. I'm, I'm going to probably get this out today, this part of it, and we'll pick up on it probably next week by the grace of God. The first thing you need to know about transition is that it's always done by faith. If the Lord is calling you to a transition, it has to be done by faith. It has to be done by faith. Anything that's done by faith or done in faith has to be done in steps. And here's why. Because people say, I took a leap of faith, but that is nowhere in the Bible. Faith does not leap. There is nowhere. It's never insinuated in Scripture. Faith does not leap. Matter of fact, faith is done by steps. And steps require planning. 
Could it be that the reason you're in the same situation you're in or you were in before is because you don't plan? Stay tuned for more of today's teaching with Pastor Hart Ramsey. Imagine being filled with a peace so deep that the world around you can't touch it. Pastor Hart Ramsey is on a mission to help believers understand what it means to have a healthy, prayer-based relationship with God. He's doing that through his brand new book titled Seeking Answers, Finding Rest Through Prayer. Prayer at first was a struggle because, you know, it, it really takes faith to pray. You have to you have to trust that God is like a person. He's a real person and that he's the one that invented the concept of prayer. In this book, you'll learn how to ensure your relationship with God is based on a new and improved covenant, which dangerous prayer habits to avoid and what to do when prayer doesn't yield the answers you want. It's time to trust God enough to make your prayer life truly about Him. Pick up your copy of Seeking Answers, Finding Rest Through Prayer from Hart Ramsey, available now at Amazon, iTunes, and wherever books are sold. Pick up the new release from Stellar Award nominees, Hart Ramsey and the NCC Family Choir, titled True Story, featuring the lead single, It Is So. Pick up the chart-topping release from Hart Ramsey and the NCC Family Choir titled True Story, in stores now and available at all digital outlets. Now let's get back to today's teaching with Pastor Hart Ramsey. You say, I'm just waiting for God to, to do something like this. Well, let me, let me tell you a story. So I, I, for the last couple of years, I've been walking out of the front yard of the ranch, and, and the, the trees on the property have gotten really big. And so what they did, the bigger the, the, well, the branches are, the more they block the sunlight, so it kills the grass. As the grass grows, then, then erosion sets in, so when it rains, the dirt washes down to the driveway. And so I was walking out maybe two years ago, and I looked and said, man, my yard looks horrible. It went from looking great to looking horrible. And for two straight years, I've been coming out saying, man, this yard looked bad. And so I decided, here's what I decided to do. I said, well, you know, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to bring someone over and get them to plant new grass. Well, I brought the, the, uh, the uh, people over and they said, well, we can't plant new grass because the trees will kill it. You need to cut the trees down. I said, well, how much would it cost to cut the trees? They did the math. They said, well, close to $10,000. I'm like, $10,000 to cut trees? Guess we ain't putting no grass down up in here. So, so, so every, I walk outside and here is in the yard, this ugly bald yard, just looking horrible. And I'm thinking to myself, this is a beautiful property. It looks so bad. I keep saying it looks horrible. Yesterday, I went to the studio and I bought some software. I think the software came to $91. And when I went to load it, something happened and I lost $40,000 worth of software. And I took my head and put it in my hand and I sat like this. And the Lord says, you're doing that thing again. Won't you see something? He said, you're doing that thing again. He said, you need to fix this. I said, I can't. And God says, whenever you get frustrated, you put your head in your hand and you act like you have no power. And here's what I said to the Lord. But I don't know how to fix it. He said, I gave you the gift of research and documentation. You can't research this. So I prayed. I said, God, show me how to figure this out. And within 10 to 15 minutes, I recovered $40,000 worth of software. Watch this. When that happened, I said to myself, you're trying to tell me something. What are you trying to tell me? He said, you're doing the same thing with your yard. 
He said, you, he said, what happens to you is when it's time for you to make a change, if the change does not agree with you or cooperate with you, you put your head in your hands and you act like you have no power. Who am I talking to today? Because you're in a situation where you're putting your head in your hands and you're saying, words me? Let me tell you something. You can't change anything by commentary. By me walking out of my front yard and saying, this yard looks horrible, that doesn't change it. You know what I need? I need a plan. Yeah. Oh, you, you go, uh-uh. I ain't working today. You're going to work with me. I need a what? Yeah. A plan. Now, I'm going to tell you something right now. I'm going to show you in the scripture that God, God plans, so you should plan too. You'll never see, you'll never see a GPS giving direction to a parked car. When you put the, the, the destination in your GPS and you hit start, it says, please proceed to the route. And it will not tell you, it will not give you turn-by-turn turn direction if you don't proceed to the route. Here's the wonderful thing about, about how God leads us. If you're not moving, God can't move you. Here's the thing. You, you're sitting up in your park life, right, asking God for turn-by-turn turn direction, and he's telling you proceed to the route. Even if you go in the wrong direction, if you're moving, your GPS will tell you, re what? Recalculating route. Your GPS will work with you as long as you're moving. But if you're sitting there, you're parked, and you're lying about your life, and you're blaming God for the things you're not doing. Okay. God just saying, I don't know what the Lord doing. No, it's you. You won't, you won't plan. Okay, hold on. We teaching, we ain't, we ain't preaching. Okay, watch this now. So anything that's done in faith must be done by steps, and steps require planning. Everybody say, steps require planning. I'm going to show you that the Lord plans. Follow me in the scripture. Genesis chapter 18, verse 17. God is going to Sodom and Gomorrah to destroy it. And the problem is, is that and as he's going, he thinks about it. He said, man, Abraham is my partner. I haven't told him anything. And the Bible says, here's what God says. He says, should I hide my... Come on, I love my what? Should I hide my plan from Abraham? God had a plan to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. His plan was I'll go in, get Lot and his family out, and I'll destroy it. He had a plan. He already planned where he wanted Lot to go. There's the next scripture. Uh, 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 um, if you have the outline, just start rolling the scriptures for me as I call for them. Go to, go to um, uh, Numbers chapter 23, verse 20. And so in this story, Balaam the prophet is, on, is, is hired by Balak the king, Israel's enemy. And he tells... He tells uh, Balaam, he said, I need you to go and curse them. And so the Bible says that um, when, he, when, Balak, when Balaam shows up to Balak, um, he says, listen, I've received a command to bless. This is what he's telling the king. He says, God has blessed and I cannot reverse it. Look at verse 21. He says, no misfortune is in his, in his plan for Jacob. God had a plan for Jacob. Jacob is the nation of Israel. He said, there's no misfortune in his plan, no troubles in store for Israel, for the Lord their God is with them. He has, he has uh, been proclaimed their king. Here's what's interesting. God had a plan for them. God had a plan. And in the plan, because God was with them, even when bad things happen, it won't be misfortune to them because God was willing to work everything for good. You see this? He says he has been proclaimed to be their king. Well, we, we're proclaiming our king. Look at Genesis, I'm sorry, Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11. God works with plans. You know this scripture by heart. God says, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are what? Plans for good and not disaster. Come on, read with me. Plans for good and not what? 
disaster, read it, to give you a... Okay, everybody, let's start again. Everybody read the scriptures together. Ready? Read. For I know the plans I have for you. Uh-huh. They are... So God has plans for us. God has plans for you. Your life is not just drifting. There's a plan in place. The problem is that God can't do what he does, watch this now, without your part of the plan. He said, Pastor, I'm confused. I'm going to unconfuse you in a minute. Look at Psalm 138, verse 8. This is a powerful scripture. Psalm 138, verse 8 simply says, the Lord will work out his plan for my life. So here's the thing. I don't have to worry about the plan going wrong. Why? Because God has committed to work it out. No matter what happens with the plan, no matter if, if I mess up, if I, God got me. Watch this now. He's going to work out the plan for my life. The Lord will work out his plan for my life, for your faithful love, O Lord, endures forever. Don't abandon me, for you made me. Uh, the King James, it says it's a little different. It says that the Lord will perfect that which concerns me. He's going to perfect the plan. Thy mercy, O Lord, endure forever, for forsake not the work of thine own hands. God has different things that he's installed into the plan for your life. There's mercy. Uh, I think in the, in the, uh, the Greek or uh, Hebrew, rather, there's the word hasad, unfailing love. There's faithfulness. That means commitment to you is a part of God's plan. If God plans, why shouldn't you plan? Well, let's see what the scripture says about that. In, in our... In Psalm 20, verses 1 through 4, New Living Translation, Psalm chapter 20, verses 1 through 4. I want, I want you to follow this. The biggest problem with your life right now is you want to succeed, but you don't have a plan for success. You want a better job, but you have no plan for it. Everything you want, you want God to bring it to where you parked. You're a camper. And God is like, no. God says, watch this now. Your life is about motion. It's about you. God says, when the Lord says to you, listen, Jesus received from the Father that it was time for him to transition, time for him to go up to Jerusalem. You know what he does? He plots a course from where he is to Jerusalem. And here's the crazy part. You know how much life happens between your, your beginning place and your ending place? It took 10 chapters to document it. Most of the stories you read about Jesus in the book of Luke, happened between Luke chapter 9 and Luke chapter 19. In other words, while he was in transition. Jesus did not meet uh, Martha, Mary, and Lazarus till he was in transition. He did not heal the ten lepers till he was in transition. Some things won't happen in your life until you are in transition. As long as you're ready. Some of you right now, you're transitioning from single to married. But you have to go through engaged. You got it? Here's what's critical. The engagement has a purpose. We, we were in a, in a single state. Now we're in their spouse state. During their spouse, this is, an, this is an investigative state. This ain't just us hanging out. No, we're exchanging information. I want your credit score. How are you with money? Do you have a bad temper? Do you have self-control? What about the other people that you used to date? No, we need to figure this out. We agree about to make a lifelong, <laughs> lifelong covenant. No, 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 we just sitting there. No, we're talking about things. Do you hit? You're like, what do you mean? When you get angry, do you hit? Why? Because I hit back. There's some things you need to know. Oh, no. We need to know. Watch this, watch this. When we get married, is it our money? 
or is it your money? We need to know. I need to know how you roll so I can not conduct myself. The problem during this time of transition is we waste it. Then you act shocked. I can't believe I married her. I can't believe I married him. You did it because you wasted the transition period. Amen. Watch this. This is important. So you have to have a plan. Everybody say, I need a plan. Look at this. Now look at Psalm 20, verse 1. It says, in times of trouble, may the Lord answer you, your cry. May, he, may the name of the God of Jacob keep you safe from all harm. Verse 2. May he send you help from his sanctuary and strengthen you from Jerusalem. Next verse. Um, it says, may he remember all the giving you've done and look favorably upon all the offerings that you lost, the things you lost looking up to him or, or worshiping him. Look at verse 4. May he grant your heart's desire. Watch this now. Read the rest with me. And make all your... And do what? How can God make plans succeed if you have no plans? The reason you're struggling is because you have no plan. It's, it's like me. I keep walking on my yard. I say, I hate this yard. It looks so terrible. It used to, and I'm reminiscing. It used to look so good. It used to bloom. No, no, no. I need a plan. We hope you've enjoyed today's teaching courtesy of On Course with Art Ramsey. We invite you to join the NCC family for our weekly services in Dothan and Montgomery, Alabama, and Atlanta, Georgia. For service times and locations, visit our website, nccfamily.org. Again, nccfamily.org. We invite you to follow Pastor Hart Ramsey on social media, on Twitter, at Hart Ramsey, on Facebook, at Hart Ramsey Media, and on Instagram, at Hart Ramsey. Be sure to join us next time as we continue to dive into God's Word as we get on course with Hart Ramsey.